0: Welcome. You are listening to the Willamette Investors Network Multifamily Show. We are a nationwide network of investors, syndicators, and industry professionals that invest in real estate together. We believe that investing is a team sport, and our goal is to connect you with the people, experiences, and education that will help you along your journey to multifamily success. Well, welcome to the Win Multifamily Show. My name is Daniel Homwood. Today, our guest is Ruben Graff. Ruben has his own podcast about raising money for multifamily syndications called The Capital Razor Show, where he learns best practices from successful syndicators and multifamily investors. He is a capital manager for Bakerson and does marketing, brand awareness, and capital raising for the company, which has now purchased 850 units in Arizona. Ruben, welcome to the show.
1: Very cool, man. I'm very impressed with your radio voice, dude. That's very impressive. I
0: like that. <laughs> well people people joke with me. They tell me that I've got a radio voice, and I say I also have a radio face. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, dude. Right on. So thanks for having me on the show. Thanks. Thanks. And it's great to have you on the show as, as a fellow podcaster, as somebody who's out, out there actually interviewing real estate people that are in the market, that are that are out there doing it and having a show that's dedicated not only to real estate in general, but even to one specific area, capital raising. Yeah. And there's there's so much rich detail in that area. There's a lot of legal complexity too. Can you tell us a little bit about your show and the, the types of people that you interview? And we'll take the conversation from there.
1: Yeah, man, it's really been a progression. However, I think I'm leaning towards moving in the direction of only interviewing actual operators. So, I get a lot of people that come on the show and they're like, oh, we have this great capital raising thing. I'm like, well, do you syndicate? They're like, no, but I can teach you all about it. I'm just like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, my whole thing is learning with the audience how to raise capital. And I've had some success doing it in small multis and then come to realize that, you know, raising capital for a small deal is very different than raising for a traditional syndication or in the style that a lot of multifamily investors raise specifically from limited partners in this space. It's very different. So it's been a fun journey learning how to do this the way that most people do it. And then along the way, finding out about some different types of capital raising like funds and, you know, when a family office makes sense to invest with, and, you know, there's there's preferred equity and, you know, broker dealers and all it, kinds of different joint ventures. So it's it's been a lot of fun learning all these different methods. And,
0: it, and the capital raiser show is now at almost a hundred episodes. You're 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 moving through ninety right now, is my understanding. Is that right? Yeah.
1: By the time this comes out, I'll probably be at a hundred. I hope to release about that many. I want to write a book after the first hundred shows on everything that I've learned because at first I was just like perplexed. I would ask questions like, "Hey, how do you raise capital?" and people would just Flat out stop me and be like, "Well, dude, that's the wrong mindset. You shouldn't be focused on raising capital. You should be focused on helping investors, you know, meet their, their their goals and achieve their dreams." So that's been, you know, one of the first mindset shifts was like, you know, when I asked people that question, people would say things like, "People don't care about you or your business. They care about how you or your business can help them." You're right. So it's been very cool all the different paradigm shifts that I've gone through throughout this show
0: yeah that's absolutely true. I know that a lot of the books on uh, communication and some of the some of the more you know popular ones out there obviously let you know that uh, your clients' needs have to come first they're they're what people are actually thinking about and the more you focus on yourself, the more you might adopt an attitude of oh why should I be asking for this money but the more you think of it as I'm helping this person mm-hmm. put their money into real estate which is you know, a great investment tax advantage. Uh, so I'm I'm taking my passions and I'm extending and giving opportunities to other people. Um, that's that's the place that you want to be in to make sure that you're reaching out in, in with the right attitude. Right. I
1: think a lot of people have limiting beliefs or a specific fear around raising capital because they're not outward focused on the people that they're serving and they're helping. When it's all about me and like, oh, you know, this is scary because what if somebody doesn't give me their money? And what is it going to be like if I don't perform for the people that I want to raise for? And they're totally not focused on the end result, which is helping people create generational wealth in an asset class that most people don't even know exists, right? Most people think, oh, you know, real estate investing is single family dwellings and fix and flips. And they don't understand that they can actually partner and purchase a large multifamily property just by aligning with the right people. And using their track record to help you get into that perspective, that that specific, you know, part of real estate investing.
0: And it's it's a great way to go if you're going to invest in real estate because first of all, you're not the asset manager as a limited partner. You don't have to worry about the 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 tenants, the toilets, and termites. Uh, and it's completely passive. You're partnering with your equity and getting a return on that it's not your time that you're partnering with or your your know-how the general partners have to have all those things so it's it's a truly passive way of investing in real estate and yeah. and a lot of people are looking for that yeah it's fantastic. all right tell us tell us about some of the people that have been on your show and some of the the best nuggets and actually maybe maybe before we get to that can you can you just describe uh capital raising From a syndication's point of view, and maybe some of your evolution and thought.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'll even take another angle, which was what was my company, Bakerson? We've gone full cycle on 16 deals and started to move from buy, fix, and sell multifamily to what we call legacy investing. And when I found Bakerson, they had done, you know, they had raised $50 million for multifamily and other projects including single family fix and flips and they had brought a lot of their investors along for the ride and started growing and scaling to the point where they no longer all of their investors had their money in deals so they they found me and they're like so you've raised money for multifamily in the past can you do that for us i'm like well yeah let me see what i can do so i can minimum i can try right i've had some success in the past i understand social media to some extent not a wizard, but I do know that the more that you broadcast your message out and let people hear your story and what you're up to, the greater chances of people starting to know, like, and trust you. And from there, it kind of evolves, right? So when they found me, they were at a point where they're like, if we have a good enough deal, this was the mindset. People... If you have the right deal, the money will automatically come. And I think in small multifamily, that can happen. But when you move into the world of syndication, that is less likely because people need to be communicated with. It's a lot more complex. So they thought, well, what if we just go 506C, which is a specific style of raising capital that allows you to advertise? Maybe that'll be the key, but that didn't work out too good either. So since I've come on board, We've gone through this process of evolving the way that we raise capital from our investors the old way, which is to present the deal and then the money will come, to now going through these four steps, which Jason Yaroussey taught me, and I've integrated into the philosophy of Bakerson, which is to get people to know, like, and trust you, communicate with them, ask them. You know, what is it that they're looking for and have those deep conversations. So that's step one. Get them to know I like, can trust you and then find out what their needs are. Number step number two would be to align with and explain why multifamily is interesting to you. What are the inherent benefits? What are the cost, segregation and tax strategies that can be implemented? Why does it make sense? When do you get cash for so things of that nature? And why is it a sexy asset class? And then the third step according to Jason Yarusi is to explain what it feels like and share your investor experience so that people understand when they're going to get communicated with, when they're going to get their distributions, how they can access information, is there a portal, do they have access to you directly, what is the previous experience of your old investors and then you take them through those three steps before you ever present the deal. So we've shifted our mindset in regards to that because we thought, hey, We've had success raising capital just by presenting the deal if it's good enough, but we've noticed that in traditional syndication, it's a lot harder to do it that way. And it's been a fun evolution in, in regards to, you know, changing that perspective for us internally.
0: So from, from your perspective in raising capital, what, what are some of the main ways or maybe most effective ways of reaching out to investors and bringing them through that trust and relationship building process?
1: Well, pick up the phone and talk to people, right? So that's – a lot of people have a big stack of business cards, and they don't have them in a CRM. They never get reached out to. I think we've even had some ex- you know, experience and challenges with that. But the more that we reach out to them, the more that we stay front and center with them, the more that we do social media, the more that we are – Standing up in a place, you know, in a time, I should say, where COVID scares people, they don't want to talk, they want to disappear. And to stay in front and come from a place of be the rock in times of uncertainty, and show that to your investors and explain your track record and things of that nature and keep them warm between deals is really a powerful part of capital raising is staying in front of your investors. And from my perspective, One of the ways that I raise capital is a little different than your typical limited partner style of capital raise. I like to go after partners and connect with people that have databases of investors or what some people refer to as co-GPs or co-sponsors or joint venture partners, or in some cases, maybe in the future, it'll be a fund that partners with us alongside in our deals. I'm Really focused on that specific type of avatar, the partner avatar, versus the limited partner capital, which is a great avatar too. And I think we've we actually hired a group called Good Egg Investments and their program, the Real Estate Accelerator. And Andy Dakerson, I think you've had her on your show too. She's great, and she's been teaching us all the technical aspects of capital raising. You know, the implementation of a very you know defined avatar. And then how to keep people warm and then use those automations and the brand awareness and the website design and how to make it emotional versus just a bunch of hypotheticals and graphs and buildings and really connecting and making it so that people can see that there's more to it than just all of the aspects, you know, the technical aspects. There's an emotional need that people are seeking to fulfill when they invest in real estate. They don't just buy it because it's a building and there's cash flow. They're really looking for financial freedom or time freedom or the ability to spend time with the grandchildren and get that passive income and that cash flow, right? So that's been a lot of fun too.
0: Yeah, Annie Dickerson I think is is very good. I, I would highly recommend her. I'm, I'm actually not a, a client of hers, but I have seen some of her work and I've seen some of the talks that she has done. And it seems like a very worthwhile thing. So, uh, and I, and her website is very good at connecting with you. Um, I like the videos that she does.
1: Yeah. All right. Very wholesome.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, there's the private individual that you can raise money from. There are partners that you can partner with and they can bring their investor database Uh, There's also private equity. Has your show focused at all on private equity and that strategy for raising capital?
1: We've focused on a variety of educational topics, and, and we are specifically seeking to scale into the capacity where we can attract private equity. I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. Our typical capital raise has been in the $2 million range for maybe even less than that. And those private equity shops, those private equity firms or quasi-institutional investors or single-check writers, they want to drop like $5 million into your deal. We're not quite that big yet. And not to mention, there's risks associated with that, specifically if you're not careful, where they want to cut out your fees, they want to you know, also have a greater amount of control on the deal, and then they can leave you hanging at closing if you have – If you're expecting somebody to come in with a $5 million check and then they find a better deal in the middle of the raise or in the middle of closing, they can say, oh, well, you know, the earnest money deposit, I make up more than that on the next deal, so I'll just go with them. So you have to figure out ways to make sure that they don't leave you uh, hanging by having them have some money on the line or some other things, and I've heard some horror stories from some of the people that I've had on the show about. People charging them 25000 and then they think they're accessing the money, and then that money is not really – there's the gatekeeper, and then they get ripped off, and there's all kinds of things. It's been very interesting to hear, but from a scalability perspective, when you can create that relationship and have somebody write you a single check – that allows you to scale in some cases if you can build that relationship. And all of a sudden, instead of working so hard to build a database of small investors, now you can just go out and focus on acquiring deals and locking deals up. And it's, so that's a very beautiful aspect of it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting strategy in that it's, it's not a diverse strategy. Um, like if you're partnering with individual investors, people who may have W-2 jobs, You know, it'll it'll take and you're raising two million dollars with you know minimum buy-in of fifty thousand. You know, it's it's going to take, you know, a couple dozen of those investors in order to hit your target. And it's certainly easier just to pick up the phone and make one phone call, but it's also riskier as you as you mentioned here. Yeah. What are some of the other strategies that maybe strategies that are not commonly thought about, but are, you know, advantageous in the real estate world?
1: So I think what is coming on really strong right now is this preferred equity model, which is kind of like a hybrid between you know, regular equity from limited partners, and it's not quite financing either. It's like somewhere in between, and they have the ability to get paid first before the regular equity partners, but they don't have the same returns or risk that the – other partners have, so they make a little bit less, but it's a little bit more secure. So people like that. If you are raising for a deal and you need to say raise two million dollars, pri- a preferred equity can take you know the second part of the capital stack after lending, and then offer that return to their investors with a little more security because they're you know on title as second or the next position lean holder or whatnot, but they're not really a lean holder. They're still in the equity kind of area but they do get paid before the regular equity. And so that's a great way to raise capital too, is use that model. And there's some people that are having some success with that.
0: How do people divide it up? Do they do they do it 50-50, you know, preferred equity and regular equity? Or what do you see most commonly done?
1: So I haven't had enough experience to see. I know that some of the people are just using the preferred equity model. And then those people also have databases of investors. And if they feel confident enough to invest in your deal... Then they go ahead and partner with you and raise the capital of the rest of it, so they have kind of two hands in it, right, at the preferred equity part and the regular equity part. And then if you can find somebody that does that – I know one person specifically, so reach out to me if you're trying to find out who that is, but uh, – that is a great model because if they like it enough to do the preferred equity and they already have a database, they go ahead and fill it up and then their investors get a deal and they can – their investors can choose, you know, do they want to be a more – risk, you know, in, in a riskier situation that has a greater return or a more secure that has a little bit less, you know, um, downside or whatnot.
0: Okay. Now, some of the guests that you've had on your show, uh, I think many of them are, are known uh, in the real estate world. Yeah. They're, they're certainly in LinkedIn. Um, which is, I think, where we met. Can can you call out some interesting strategies that some of them have suggested? Something that, uh, you know, maybe at the time gave you an aha moment. Oh, that's interesting. We should do that.
1: See if I can recall. I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is these this dude that used to do investor parties to raise capital right so like he would actually be in the property doing construction and have a party you know with pizza and beer and they would fix it up and then kind of get the feeling of the property see it touch it and that makes it so much more real and then people would start asking questions like oh you know how do you how did how are you doing on this what kind of returns are your investors getting and then that opens so many doors for conversation and some of those investors come through so that was an interesting strategy i think uh another thing is the difference between people that are are seeking joint venture capital versus you know limited partner capital or or, or equity you know so I think people really, if they want to be hands-on, they prefer to do some kind of a joint venture, and then obviously that can be a little bit riskier, but then you have control over what happens to the tenants and the dis- decision-making process along the way. Uh, a couple other strategies. I think you know, one that's interesting right now is the use of technology or crowdfunding or investor management portals. You know, So a lot of old-school syndicators have done it the way that they've done it for many years, and now they're starting to fall behind because these new syndicators or more advanced syndicators are using investor portals where people can log in and see exactly what's going on with the deal, how much money is left to be raised, and get all these details whenever they want. They don't need an update. They can go and check the update themselves. So the use of technology is very cool, and then – Obviously, people that are using automations and communication are a lot more successful than people that only reach out to you when they have a deal. But uh, the, I think the big thing is just getting people to know, like, and trust you, and if you're not contacting them, they can kind of forget about you. So it's important to stay up, you know, front and center with your investors.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let, let let's focus in a little bit more on the technologies. Uh as you probably know, I, I work a day job at Intel and I love talking about this sort of thing. So uh in terms of investor portals and and automations, are there some key, you know, services that are out there that you know you really find helpful in, in creating both investor portals and automations?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the big things is that If you have a deal come up and you send it out to your existing database of investors, people can actually log in and do their soft submit right there, and that's something that instead of you having to call and reach out to them, it may be a lot easier for people to just go in, and that's a form of capital raising. Hey, all of a sudden, people are just logging in and saying, hey, on the next deal, when it comes, oh, here it is boom, here's my soft commit or here's my full commit or here's the ability to do the wire transfer completely all into your investor portal and then see the return so they don't have to wait for an email with a private place and memorandum. All that stuff is right there and they can look into that as the deal comes. So that's a really cool aspect of the investor management software programs that are out there. And there's a there's a few that are more pricey than others, some that offer less advanced you know aspects less visual graphics and then which one do you use so we're currently using syndication pro shout out to jacob blacklett of syndication pro as are we (laughs)
0: oh
1: very cool so yeah those guys are great i really like those guys so we're putting into the software you know all of our deals so people can understand what it looks like and they can log in and that's going to help quite a bit i believe
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, I really like that that software too for exactly those reasons. Rather than um, being uh, having to reach out and to, to pull your audience, you can have them come and get information in real time. And that's that's a very powerful thing. It takes a lot of weight off your shoulder as the capital raiser to make the information publicly available. And of course, it's more convenient for the investor as well. Um, yeah, what, what about automations? What what sort of automations do you run? When you say automations, are you talking mainly sending out emails and text messages, or is there more to it than that?
1: Yeah, so you can sit there and write an entire blog or a recap of what you did this month or what deals you're working on, and that requires a specific amount of energy, not too crazy, right? You can just sell, send a Mailchimp out, but so with with Annie Dickerson's program, they actually write things that you can just adapt and change regarding your deals. And then it's like an automation that can be sent out on a weekly basis. There's also like when you have a new investor onboarding that you can do a series of emails that go to them so that they actually get on a phone call with you. Right. So right. A drip before campaign. You, Yeah, before you send your deal out to somebody, you want to have a conversation with them. And some of these automations are set up to drive people to you or get them off your list. So a quick no is, Way better than a slow maybe, and some of these campaigns will get them off your list if they're just kind of kicking the tires and stuff.
0: That's actually very valuable um, because not not only do you not want to be in a position where you're, you know, constantly, you know, calling someone and getting a half answer, but yeah. you also don't want to bother them. You, I mean, if if they're not going to be part of the deal, it it is much better to know quickly. Right. All right. Um, so, do you have any other? either scenarios or people or or anything else that you would like to call out particularly about your show or on any other topic before we go to a lightning round
1: yeah so i think one of the big factors of capital raising is something that people don't talk about and it pertains to all success in life and business and your relationships and everywhere else is that a lot of times raising capital is is it boils down to your mindset or success in business in general is eighty percent mindset or philosophical versus you know strategy and tactical, right? So a lot of people if they, they need to break through their fears Or they sometimes think, oh, there's nothing of value that I can provide to a syndicator. How am I ever going to find a partner? And they have to break through that part and then go out. And then the other part is the accountability and having the system in place so that you know what to do on a regular basis, have that time management or that period of time blocked off specifically for making calls to hook up and network and reach out to people that are in your database and stay front and center with them. So all of that stuff, that mindset part is a huge part of it, in my opinion.
0: All right, Ruben, let's go to the lightning round. do it. What is the best part about being a real estate investor?
1: So the cash flow, I think, uh, the the ability to harness a vehicle that can get you closer to your dreams and that passive income and that time freedom and the vacationing around the world. So I think that, for me, is the biggest part of real estate investing. It's ability to allow the average Joe American six-pack to go out and create wealth. It's much more challenging, I think, in a lot of other arenas to do
0: that. Who is your preferred client or partner?
1: So my preferred investor avatar is the co-GP, the person that wants to bring equity into our deal and have some management and say in the operations, bring some type of either market analysis or underwriting or technology or something to the table in an ongoing duty and bring all of their capital along with us and help us find the right deal that aligns with their investor avatar as well.
0: What's a mistake that you have made or somebody else has made and what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, so one time, we'll go back into 2010, I trusted somebody because they had a nice little track record of flipping single family dwellings and I met an investor that wanted to invest, so I put the two pieces together and then was going to be participating in a joint venture and Just because somebody has never lost money on a deal doesn't mean that they're never going to lose money on a deal. And that was a rude awakening for me that just because we found a deal and it made sense and fit the criteria that it would automatically be golden. And what happened is we basically took down a single-family dwelling, and then it got vandalized. And in the rehab process, and we lost about thirty or 40000 on that, and there was a lot of very ang- – well, there wasn't a lot, but our investor partner and his partner were very angry because we didn't get the right type of insurance on that, which is another mistake that we learned from in the single-family arena. Like if you have a vacant property, not all kinds of insurance will cover it. It's specific more to more commonly, you can find insurance programs for tenant-occupied properties. And when it's vacant, that insurance no longer is valid, as we found out the hard way.
0: What's a book, a website, a resource that will help us in our investor journey?
1: Wow. So from – I think a question is, is spirituality or is being spiritual have anything to do with – business. And for me the answer is yes. So I would recommend spiritual type books. And for some people, they may even consider a book like Thinking Grow Rich a spiritual book because it talks about the ether and manifesting to some and use use of auto subconscious and things of that nature. So I like those types of books where it's not just you know tactical, but it's a mindset kind of book that helps you so i would say Thinking you' rich i really like the power of intention by wayne dyer and another one is called the science of getting rich by wallace d waddles
0: excellent excellent and lastly how can the win multifamily listeners get in touch with you
1: yeah that's easy you can find me on linkedin that's my favorite platform you can find us or even subscribe to our investor club at bakerson.com or reach out to me on linkedin as well my handle is at capital razor
0: Ruben, thank you for being on the show and adding a ton of value to the listeners here. Go check out the Capital Razor Show. I'm assuming you can type it into you know, iTunes, Spotify, or any of yeah. those podcasting avenues. Go watch his show and learn how to raise capital, too. Thank you for being here, and I hope you, you have Dad. a winning day. It's
1: been a blast. Yeah, you too, brother. Thank you.
0: Hello, WinMultiFamily listeners. As you know, this podcast is all about learning to work in teams so that you can buy cash flowing multifamily properties. If you'd like to learn more about that, please click subscribe. If you're interested in the type of investments that we do at Alon Capital, please go to aloncapital.com slash investors. That's Alon, A-A-L-O-N, capital.com. We'd like to set up a one-on-one phone call with you to talk about your real estate investment goals.